Coming to you from the Yard Dogs Podcast Studio. Studio. A show for the fans, by the fans. <laughs> Talking all things Cleveland Browns. From our mic to your ears. To your ears. With your hosts, Jason Hand and Mikey P. Yes, and welcome to another episode of the Yard Dogs Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hand. This show is part of the Zedia Network, which is media spelled with a Z. For more information on the Zedia Network, you can find them on Twitter, at Zedia Network. If you are a Cleveland Browns fan, have a story to tell, and would like to share it, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are wide open. You can find me there, at Browns Huddle. You can also find this podcast on Twitter, at Yard Dogs Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, give this a five-star review, and please share the show. Sharing the show helps more than you'll ever know. And joining me tonight is my co-pilot, my side dog, my partner in crime, Mikey P. Mikey's in the yard looking good at the moment. How are we doing tonight, bud? Uh, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing better now than I was, uh, but I'm, I'm coming out of despair from that horrible showing on Sunday. Like, I, woke, I went home Sunday night, was just in a mood. I woke up on Monday in a mood. I woke up this morning in a mood. I'm finally starting to shake it, I think, just a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to talk about, uh, the, the game last week and then hopefully move on to bigger and better things for this week. Well, I'm going to indulge in a beverage tonight. It is a Christmas brew. Is it too early for that? Or I don't no, know. Man. Uh, I mean, Christmas brew, uh, I mean, what, what are we, what are we like, uh, 39 days from, from the big event Christmas day. Yeah. So let's so go ahead I and say. I say, you know, we're in a, we're in a pandemic. There are no rules anymore. Go for it, man. If you want a Christmas, if 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 it's being sold, then it's ready. <laughs> and this was given to me by a neighbor. It's a gingerbread stout. Okay. So we'll see. I don't know, but I kind of feel like I need one tonight, Mikey P, because that last uh, game on Sunday was ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I, it was bad. Like it's so bad. Like. Uh, I needed something that made me feel better, so I even broke out old uh, Chief Wahoo on the Turvis tonight, and there you go. Got a little, got a little, got a little drink action going on too myself. Okay, there you go. See, we can get through this, Mikey P. We can get through this. Well, we have a special guest, but before we do that, Mikey P, can you give us the rundown for tonight's show, and then we're going to bring in our special guest of the night. Yeah, man, we're going to cover, of course, uh, latest headlines. We'll, we'll of course get into Browns versus. Patriots recap, which everybody wants to hear about. Uh, we'll go over current <laughs> AFC playoff standings. We'll get into the Browns versus Lions preview. Nothing better than to talk about the upcoming week's opponent. Then, of course, we'll have Yard Dogs mailbag, and then we'll uh, we will land this plane. We will land this plane. Let's bring in our special guest coming to the yard. He's a dog that was on my podcast last week, and he, Mikey P is joining us in the yard tonight, man. We we got a cool dog coming. Is His he name really is in the yard? He's in the yard. The Yard Dogs podcast. The... Okay. Like His that. name is Walter, but he goes by Bro Joe Death Punch on Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at Bro Joe Death Punch. He's a lawyer, and he's a retired indie filmmaker. He's a stand-up comedian, 
And he's going to stand up for the entirety of this show. It's one of the things I like about him. He's a fantasy football guru, a NFL draft junkie, and he hosts the Draft Vice and Two Punk Law 101. Welcome to the yard, Walter Brojo Death Punch. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be back. I was here when it was the Browns Huddle Podcast, and now, and now you got a better, easier name to say now. I was I remember struggling with it last year, but uh, I'm glad to be back. You know, I, I, when when we were talking about it last week, I'm thinking, ah, you know, we will probably beat the Patriots. We'll get to go ahead and brag about beating Bill Belichick, and then then I have to then we get past Sunday, and I go, well, I guess I got to be like, you know, don't worry about it, folks. We're not on the ledge yet. We 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 are going to be okay. I believe we will be fine. But uh, yes, it, I'm glad to be back here, man, and, and glad that. Uh, Glad that you remember that I even existed. All of a sudden, you're like, "Yo, come on out, out, play in our yard, talk about the Browns and uh, and the 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 Kamikaze season that it's been. It feels like every there's like what twelve teams that are five hundred or better this year. So yeah. we're not out at all. There's no, and I think there's only like what one team that has only it has two losses, and that's the Titans. And if you've watched the Titans play at all this year, you know that they are not playing super well. So like they've they're just, just winning. They're winning. Thankfully, they play like they have an easy division. You know, they got the Jags and the Texans in their division. Like, can we get a trade? Like, can we start trading divisions now? Like, you know, it's like a lottery every couple of years. Because like now we have to play like the Steelers and the Ravens. Like, can we go to like some dumb teams like the Jets and like the and the the, the Texans? Like that would make us feel so much better. But uh, absolutely, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Uh, and this is gonna. I mean, listen, I I think everybody's gonna be a little bit shaken up you know 45 to 7 shellacking hurts a little bit people forget though bill belichick he's the best head coach that's ever coached you know that guy was name a head coach in this league who hasn't been shellacked by bill belichick if anything it's just a rite of passage to get your butt kicked by bill belichick just saying well Kevin Stefanski is uh, part of that group now, right? So we, yeah. we did get shellacked. Um, this podcast is streaming live on our Facebook page, on our Twitter page, at Yard Dogs Pod, and our YouTube page. Li- uh, listener, viewer comments are always welcome. We'll try to get to a couple of those during the show. Um, Walter, you go by Walter, right? Walter, Wojo, whatever you want to call me, just don't Wojo. call me Wojo. Wojo, I like Wojo. Can we just use Wojo? I like Wojo, yeah. I like Wojo. I, do. Yeah, I like Wojo. that. Let's do it. Yeah. Just don't call me Wojo. Wally. Only, only Christopher Walken's allowed to call me that. So. <laughs> me and him. All I, right, I let, wanna, let's uh, uh, go ahead. I, I don't know if Jason's realized this, but you're actually our second lawyer that we've had on the show this year. <laughs> we've had two on this year. A lot, lot of very could... uh, astute uh, Browns fans. A lot, a lot of legal analysis yeah, going man. on. Yeah, you would yeah. think that, just... that you think I'd be more of a Texans thing, or you know, <laughs> or like a Jets or Giants, maybe that New York, you know, city, New York City, uh, or Los Angeles, maybe. Well, like, the, you know, yeah. the Giants at least don't typically have a lot of legal issues, right? Like they're the last guy who got like in legal tr- <laughs> troubles with the Jets or the Giants. You'd have to have a good player for people to notice. Yeah. Like Sheldon Richardson yeah. when he when he got caught with you know D- with a DWI in New York City, he was on the Browns, but. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get into some uh, latest headlines. Um, player comments. Uh, Miles Garrett went uh, had some comments after the game, saying that the sideline isn't make sidelines aren't making adjustments during the game. And Cameron Justice just posted a video of Jarvis Landry today. I don't know if you had a chance to get to see that, but Jarvis Landry's in an interview is real short 
uh, interview, but he said he doesn't know why he's not getting the ball too much. What What are your thoughts, uh, Wojo, about our players are now coming out to the media and and sharing their grievances right in front of the camera? So with Miles Garrett, I don't think he thought what he was saying was all that like big of a deal. Like, cause like I remember because I watched the interview with Miles Garrett, and I'm like. I didn't think anything of it. But then, like, you know how the reporters are. They go, well, wait a second. They're not making adjustments. And they kind of blow it up a little bit more. And then I think, like, the team went, yo, wait a second, dude. You got to not say things like that. You know our reporters. They go, they hear a minute, and they go a mile with it. And so I don't know if, if Miles Garrett meant it like that, like, in such a negative tone that people – he thought he was calling out the the coaches. When he said it, it sounded like it just went so fast. By the time we, they were making an adjustment to do this – they were already doing that. Like it was like, and in fact, John Johnson said like they were doing things like, keep in mind, this is Bill Belichick, right? Like this is a guy, they got like a scouting staff that scouts your team for like the last eight weeks. Like always like the first month of the season, Bill Belichick doesn't do well. Then all of a sudden, like other than last year, people just like, I think people have recency bias. There's like 20 years of this team dominating and their scouting staff is really good. They're, they're like uh, their opponent scouting staff is really good. You know, they were videotaping the Bengals game last year because I don't know why you want to videotape the Bengals other than to, you know, give yourself depression in 2020. But nonetheless, uh, I think with with both John Johnson and what Miles Garrett were saying is that by the time we adjusted, they were moving on to the next thing. Now, I guess it kind of maybe he meant something different. Uh, You know, maybe they just weren't adjusting to it, but there's only so much you can adjust to on a handful of plays like okay we're gonna go ahead and stack the line of scrimmage all right well they're gonna run play action the, actually my biggest shock was not on defense like although the defense got shellacked and troy hill got beat up like crazy at not not even in counting you know unfortunately him getting injured but they just they picked on troy hill the whole time but the offense kind of was like like after the first drive where they were running it they were doing play action I'm not even worried that they didn't run it. They ran zero play action. In fact, they were kind of effective when they were doing the spread thing that they were doing. They were throwing out of the shotgun. But then they would try to run it, and they were running into, like, stacked boxes. And I'm like, why aren't you throwing play action here? They clearly are afraid of your run game, even with Dearness Johnson. So mm-hmm. with with the – as far as Jarvis goes, Jarvis has been injured a lot of this season. You know, he missed a few games. He, uh, you know, he, I think he was even – he was on IR for a few games. Then he came back. He's re-injured his knee a little bit. I think part of it is just some of the energy snapped at him. You know, he didn't play a bunch of snaps in the Bengals game. He was actually, I think, uh, I, I, you know, Njoku, Hooper, and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones played more snaps than him in the Bengals game. And not for nothing, like, you know, Jarvis Landry healthy is a different player. But at this stage of his career, after this MCL strain, and now again, he kind of, you know, we know that he injured the knee again in a game a couple weeks ago. I just don't, you know, I think part of it's just health. And again, I mean, he got he got thrown to in the Steelers game. He dropped the ball three times. So I don't know. Right. Like, it's hard to say like, oh, Jarvis Landry, your production's doing horrible this year because of, you know, play calling. It's more along the lines of, well, you know, if, they, if Jarvis, Land- Jarvis Landry is perfect for an 11 personnel scheme, right? And he gets to be the slot receiver and he's taking up the space that one of our tight ends take up. The problem is the Browns have pretty good tight ends. They got in Joe and Hooper. And those guys have been pretty darn solid. In fact, Njoku looks like a beast among men sometimes. He looks like a, like a wild stallion when he goes ahead and catches the ball and he's, like, shaking his head up on the sideline. You know, this game he had a couple of drops, but 
that happens now and then. It, like, you know, the Steelers game, everybody had a drop. Like, you know, even, like, my mother had a drop, and she wasn't even in the game. So, <laughs> you know, everybody dropped the ball in the Steelers game. I, literally, I was like, the weird thing is, it just feels like every other week, it's like somebody's failing something. But, like, we usually have enough kind of going on to kind of cover up some stuff. Uh, last week, just nobody did their job. Like, everybody was bad. Nobody looked good. You know, the, you know, Wyatt Taylor got bullied. Actually, Joel Petonio played pretty well. That was about it. Joel Petonio, the, the, you know, elite left guard, you know, he played pretty good. Everybody else kind of, you know, you know, Jedrick Wills got beat up. You know, unfortunately, right tackle Blake Hans, who's not even really supposed to be a right tackle. He was getting beat up because he's been getting beat up every week. You know, and that's also part of the reason why they're running a lot of two tight end sets is that gives you the ability to kind of cover up some of the issues you have with Blake Hans. Mm-hmm. So Love as far as the players, on. as far as the players calling people out in the media, uh, you know, part of it is, is you're getting asked a question and you think it in your head it's innocuous, like what you're saying is innocuous. Because, again, like I, I, Miles Garrett doesn't seem like the kind of guy to be like, yo, you know, the coaching staff, they just suck. I think. I don't know what his mindset was when he said that. And maybe I think, you know, I know there was a lot of like Stefanski even said in the, his press conference, like I had to talk to him about that. That was the first time I thought anything about it. Cause I know like our media goes ahead. Like, Brown's media just goes crazy with stuff. So not overly worried about that. Uh, but I, you know, there's a lot of things that, that kind of failed in this game that I think at the end of the day, it's also the Patriots. And, you know, when Bill Belichick gets to month two after October into November, that team gets good every year, it seems like. You remember, they were in the playoffs, like, every year for, you know, a long time. Like, you know, it was, you know, just because Brady left didn't mean all the coaching staff left. They spent a ton of money in the offseason to build up that yeah. team. Uh, they signed Matt Judon. They signed uh, they, they signed uh, Hunt, uh, Hunter – is it Hunter Henry? Hunter, Hunter Henry, Henry, the, the tight Hunter end. Henry. The tight end who, you know, caught a, caught a pass against Ronnie Harrison. And, again, like, some guys have kind of gotten a little bit not as good. Like, Ronnie Harrison – was in coverage against Hunter Henry, and he did not stop him one second. He was, he had more separation than I think most players get against a safety. So, you know, I, there's just – I don't know if it's maybe, you know, defense one week looks really good, and, you know, especially, again, keep in mind, it's Bill Belichick. Like, I feel like people forget that one. It's like, you know, Kendrick Bourne was, again, every time he, Kendrick Bourne got lined up uh, against, uh, against uh, Troy Hill, he was beating him. Uh, they were just, it, it was, a. there was a lot of good scheming going on. Um, I think the bigger problem was they just weren't ready for it. It was, you know, uh, I think the, the offense had a lot more issues again. Cause like if the defense is on the field so much, they're not getting a chance to go ahead and make adjustments. And I think that was also part of what the issue was with miles Garrett was, you know, they were back on the field because of the interception right away. So by the time the second touchdown happened, they didn't have time to sit there on the the sideline, being like, "Yo, yo, uh, Troy, we're gonna move you back here. We're gonna we're gonna um, you know, we're gonna play more press man coverage, or we're gonna play more uh, cover two man, or we're gonna go ahead and switch to 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 cover five, uh, because we you know we're a little bit more worried about uh you know man coverage down by the box. We don't want them, you know beating us over the top. There wasn't the time to make the adjustment by the time they had two touchdowns, and then it just started getting away from everybody." Yeah, um, back to uh, Jarvis Landry. You talked about Miles Garrett, but Jarvis Landry, you know, had had that comment tonight uh, that uh, Cameron Justice posted on Twitter. It it seemed to me like it seems like the players, uh, 
there might be a little bit of undiscipline going on. You know, I mean, they're they're speaking to media, they're talking out. Jarvis Landry in that video, it was just 29 seconds that I saw, and I know that you can take it out of context with just 29 seconds, but reading his body language, Jarvis Landry doesn't look happy right now to to be with the Cleveland Browns. He's complaining. He's not getting the ball enough. Um, do you think this team is because be being unraveled as we speak? Uh, what are your thoughts on on what's going on with this team right now? I think there's a little bit of like I think there's frustration. You get beat up like forty five to seven. You <laughs> had a couple. Bad. Yeah, it's rough. It no matter what, you're gonna feel bad about it. Like it, nobody felt good about that game because nobody looked good in that game. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry can complain about it, but I, again, like I, I saw the video, it was actually, it was Cameron Justin, Cameron Justice posted the video, but I think he was actually talking to Mary Kay Cabot. It was yeah, at it was his, uh, it was at like his Thanksgiving, uh, at food a food drive. drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I remember watching the video and I look at it and I go and like, yeah, he kind of doesn't look super happy, but you got to realize he's also partial part of that interview was also talking about Odell leaving, you know, your best friend's not here. He went to the LA Rams. They had a great game last night. So, uh, and that was on prime time, you know, <laughs> 10 points. Wow. Wow. You know, they beat the Browns by three. If, if, <laughs> yeah, I mean, was... It's the whole NFL this year. Like you, you think you get a grasp on uh, like last week, everybody was like, man, Arizona's looks legit. They've even dominated without Colt McCoy. And then Carolina comes out there with a 32 Cam Newton and PJ Walker quarterback and just marches over them in a blowout. <laughs> well, it's just like, it's a week. It's almost like a week-to-week league. Like nobody has shown their dominance, and you just said the Patriots. Here they are, five in, five wins in a row. Nobody's really talking about them. Like, did we well, now just talking about them? <laughs> did they just find their next Tom Brady? But is Mac Jones their next Tom Brady? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the real issue is is that like this year there's like like for instance the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just lost the Washington football team. Uh, there's a lot of losses against ba- – like, the one thing I'll say about the Browns, we haven't lost to a bad team. It was Arizona, the Chargers, uh, the Chiefs. and So, at this point – and, and uh, the Steelers. The Steelers. So Steelers was the worst team we lost to and and maybe the most objectionable. But at that point, you're looking at it going, well, all the receivers dropped the ball. What are we doing? Like, I can't – I can't give you an a- actual answer as to how they could have won that game if nobody's catching the ball. Even De- uh, even Dearness Johnson's sort of catching balls out of the backfield and he's dropping them, which maybe your maybe your rule should be don't throw it to Dearness Johnson. Uh, get you know Felton in there or you know throw it to Nick Chubb and you know what? Like again, they they did well against the Bengals and the Bengals beat the, the both the Steelers and the Ravens. So it's it's kind of a, like a weird circular league. Like we beat you, that guy beat them, they beat this team. So I. I, you know, at least they're not losing to bad teams. I think the most, you know, the most objectionable losses. I don't think the Patriots game was the most objectionable loss. Because, well, like, you, you know, don't learn anything from a shellacking. Yeah, I mean, Mikey P and I were talking before. I don't mean to cut you off, but before the season, I talk too much. <laughs> before this season, I, I had the Patriots winning this game. I just did. I mean, the, you know, traveling to Foxborough, Gillette Stadium. That's not an easy place to play. It's a Patriots. You got Bill Belichick. Yes, it's a rookie quarterback, but it's still the Patriots. So I had them losing this game. I think the frustration with most fans is not that we lost. It's how we lost. You know, uh, the team, I mean, if I'm just being truthful here, it looked like they, they gave up. They didn't have a lot of heart Sunday, and it was really tough to watch. And CBS thought the same thing because they cut the game off. <laughs> 
I'll, this... I'll say this though: a loss is a loss. Losing by five isn't, you know, versus losing by forty-five doesn't really change anything. The, you know, I actually am more. I really didn't like the loss to the Chargers and the Chiefs way more. I thought those were more objectionable. I thought we were in those games. We were leading in those games. We were leading in all three: the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Chargers game, all the way into the fourth quarter. And you know, I think the worst one was maybe the Chargers loss. I think that one was like almost clearly they could have won. And if it wasn't for the Chief, if it wasn't for the Chargers uh, missing, I was it the extra point or was it the the two point conversion? They were down. It was a one point game, and like Stefanski went very conservative. And I think Stefanski's second half play calling has gotten very conservative. Like they, when they're up, he gets super conservative. And and teams are going to key in on the run, and it's like at that point you should do play action, man. Like that's your bread and butter. Make the run look like the pass, the pass look like the run. Again, I think sometimes they get a little too far away from what the identity of the team is, at least on offense. The play action, and just because like I'm saying play action doesn't mean they have to do naked boots. Doesn't mean they have to do you know the things that like okay like they really look good on are the you know the the cool you know boot action play action stuff that they have but like there's other play you know you could do uh play action out of the out of shotgun you could do play action where you're you know like they have a lot of other options that they could toss in there to kind of like you know create different route concepts and maybe they could even take a uh, you know uh you know something out of the playbook from a couple years ago before Stefanski was here which is called an rpo which i don't think they use at all in Stefanski's system but actually would probably like be useful in this offense when they're not expecting. Yeah. And something that's interesting to look at is this team. I saw a stat today of teams records. If games ended at the end of the third quarter, the Browns would be eight and two. If games ended in the third quarter. Yeah. So that's, that's a mind blowing stat because there's games where the identity of your offense the Chargers game. If you if your defense steps up and makes a play, you win that game. If your offense uses your identity and runs the ball three times for a first down, you win that game. I keep hearing Stefanski talk about we want to be able to attack from multiple formations, attack multiple ways. Yes, that is true. But you still need to have an identity. Take, for example, look at the Titans. No matter. They had Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, two amazing Pro Bowl talented elite wide receivers. The identity of their offense was get Derrick Henry the damn ball and run the ball and wear down the other team's defensive front. And then they they run play action off of that. And that's what our uh, game plan should always be. Get Chubb, get Hunt involved, get Ernest Johnson involved, run the ball, and then set up play action, just like you said. And then I, I think Stefanski's gotten away from what has been successful early on and what was successful last year. I think they've tried to really, like, it's almost like they're listening to the pundits say, like, oh, Baker can't get it done. Like, if we win every game and Baker throws 20 passes, I'm fine with that. If we need to run the yeah. damn option, I'm fine with that as long as we're winning. I don't need to see the ball going 60 yards down the field. Um, but I just think you just have to have know what your identity is. When you show up and get off that bus and go into that team stadium or your stadium, you know that you're going to see a crap ton of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in your face all day long and we're gonna we're gonna run a ton of play action um off of those off of those sets that's what i want to see yeah and also i think the the other thing is i think they wanted to use a lot more motion this year orbit motion and jet motion and i think they weren't able to do it because the guys who they planned on doing it with have been either out or injured mm-hmm. or not here anymore 
Odell, Jarvis, and Demetrius Felton were all kind of motion, like, you know, matchup, mismatch players that they wanted to utilize. But, you know, Jarvis going out with the, the MCL for a few games, Odell not being here because, you know, that fiasco, and then Felton having the, the COVID-19 thing. I think Felton would have maybe made this game a little bit different, a little bit more competitive than people think. He's a gadget player, but he, you know, he's kind of given boosts to that offense at weird times. The Texans game, he had that crazy right. run after the catch. He, you know, he creates a little bit of a mismatch because he's both a, you know, a running back and a wide receiver. You know, he could, you know, he plays the slot really well. In fact, I, I think he's kind of a little bit of a replacement for Jarvis Landry in certain ways. Um, he's kind of like what Jarvis Landry was when Jarvis Landry came out. He's not like exactly that, but he's kind of like, uh, you know, like Naeem Hines for the, the Colts. So mm -hmm. not having him, not having the explosive element of Nick Chubb, I think, like, don't get me wrong, Darius Johnson played very well for the first drive. Um, his biggest problem was when he when they threw the screen pass to him, he fumbled, and then he had to go back five yards and go grab it. So, but like every player in that game did had negative, you know, plays. It just it happened in that game. It it happens every once in a while. And this team's been beat up since like literally week one. Everybody's been somewhat injured. You know, you can make an you know an argument that okay, they should have maybe planned better if they didn't think they were going to have Odell because now the only man beaters they have are Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz. Who, not for nothing, I don't think Baker trusts Schwartz. I, I think that there's a lot of issues. You know, Schwartz was the guy who you know stopped on his route and caused the interception that you know Baker had to go ahead and tackle the guy and hurt his shoulder on. And I think mm -hmm. since that game. I think they don't, you know, Baker doesn't trust him going over the middle of the field. You know, I think there was a, a crossing route on the interception to David Njoku in the Patriots game that Schwartz was kind of getting free on. And also for a guy who runs 4 2 2, you know, they've used him on jet sweeps. He never seems to get past the line of scrimmage on them. When they're running him on crossing routes, he doesn't seem to get a lot of separation or get moving fast enough. So I don't know if Baker doesn't trust him or the team doesn't trust him or whatever it is, but he was like technically the guy who probably should have gotten the ball on that in, uh, on the interception and mm -hmm. just, but you know, I don't think that he trusts that guy. I think that, you know, and you know, part of it is, is a young receiver. They just, I, I kind of miss Cordaro Hodge, man. I miss that dude. Like that guy now, you know, special teams ace now on the lions, but that He's guy, consistent. he was consistent. And like, even in games where they were like, like, you know, even the Jets game, like, he was their number one receiver, but you felt comfortable at least, like, okay, Kadarl's in the game at least. Like, at least it's somebody's here. But, like, you were always kind of, like, worried. Like, that was the guy who it's like, okay, he'll catch. He caught, like, 20 passes last year, but he caught passes. He got separation sometimes. They could rotate him in. Like, again, he was consistent. He was a guy they could rely on. And, unfortunately, because of roster sizes and, like, you know, you're trying to do roster construction, you know, they didn't feel like he could stay. Probably his his role went, you know, his his spot went to Dearness Johnson, who was just as important for this team at a certain point this year. But, uh, you know, and also I don't think they expected Odell to be saying bye bye to them later on. So hopefully the Lions get tired of Kadaro. Like maybe he goes ahead and takes a poop on like, you know, Dan Campbell's like desk or something. He pulls his own Odell, be like, yo, man, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go join the Browns again. Kadaro, come on, come join us. We, we need your help, Kadaro. You're our only hope. <laughs> Mikey P, you brought up a good point about our identity. There, there's no question. The identity of this team is a run-first offense, right? I mean, that sets mm -hmm. up the pass. That sets up the bootlegs. I don't I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I don't know why – so the, the first drive of the game, we march right down the field, score a touchdown, and then 
we just abandoned the run game pretty much. Um, why are we so quick to do that? Because it's important that a team, no matter what your identity is, to, to remember that that's what it is. And even though the other team knows what it is, the defense knows what it is, you're going to run it down their throat. We just signed Batonio to a long-term deal. Um, who's the other offensive line? His name escaping me. We just signed to a long-term oh, deal Teller. as well. Wyatt Teller. Oh, Wyatt Teller, yeah. Why? How could I forget that? Wyatt Teller, we just signed him to a long-term deal. I mean – Obviously, this is the strength of our defense. The, those guys are awesome at blocking for the run. They're awesome at blocking for Baker. And we get away from it. We just get away from it. And I, I, I just don't understand why that happens. I, well, I, I think, I mean, I think I know what kind of happened this week. And it was, uh, I think we didn't trust our defense after those first two possessions. Like when they drove right down the field, those first two drives of the game and just scored, I think. I think that I call it the quicksand effect where you're just like, Oh, okay. All right. We, we got to try to work harder to get out of this hole. And and as you're doing that, you're just burying yourself deeper and deeper. And that, and it's like, sometimes you got to take a step back and be like, and that's why I'm, I'm really a big proponent of having Stefanski be the head coach and let Alex Van Pelt be the play caller. Cause then you're kind of taking yourself out of that and you're able to process that information faster and just be like, Hey, we're okay. Stick with our game plan, but I feel like they got away from their game plan really quick and just abandoned. Yeah, I mean, if if you got a running back that can average over five yards a carry, and if your defense can't stop the offense, then doesn't it make sense to run the ball, which is what you do well, to to move the clock, uh, milk the clock, I should say, right? And 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 move the ball downfield, even if it turns into a field goal or you have to punt, who cares? I mean. We were getting worked. You're right, Mikey P. I mean, we were down 14-7 in no time. And it, it seemed like right after that, we weren't running the ball much anymore. And um, that, that that's what's frustrating to me as a football fan. Well, I'll say this. So they did get away from the run. but So after the Baker Mayfield interception, they come out and they started throwing out of the gun. And they actually were converting first downs. Then they went to like, an offset eye with Andy Janovich, and they did try running it on first down. And they got to like two and eight or two and seven. And then I, I, this is the thing. I think they should have ran play action on that down. They, they had now all of a sudden they're all like, this is the first time they're going up against your running back, you know, in, you know, lined up under you're under center. Like this was the time to run play action and go ahead and maybe take a deep shot. Or if you had a, you know, a crosser, even just hey, get them to bite in on it. And instead they ran it on first down. And again, like they were all selling out for the run, which they did. And that's why we got two or three yards on that one run. Then they throw it from the gun again. It was a lot of like, you know, the predictable. But again, like when they were throwing from the gun, they were actually getting movement initially. And then Baker uh, kind of overthrew DPJ. Like he caught it, but he didn't catch it. it like deflected it off his hands. But it was kind of like it was not a great spot necessarily. So it, I. I, I get why people are like, oh, they didn't run it. But, like, I'm not even worried that they didn't run it. Like, I'm more worried that they didn't run a lot of play action after that. Because they were clearly afraid of the run, which would get the linebackers to, you know, kind of, you know, again, if you're running play action, you're sucking the linebackers up because they're going to try and stop the run. So I, I'm not even worried that they didn't run it. I'm more worried about the fact that they quickly went away from play action and they were throwing out of the gun. And, again, even that was successful for a bit. But then they were, you know, they would get slowed down, and then they get stopped, and you know, it's it, it was kind of like a weird. Once you got to that last, you know, once you got past the second, uh, the the third quarter, 
it was all gone. It was all downhill. Pete Barker on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page, he writes, and he's actually going to be on a guest on our show next week. Uh, shout out to Pete Barker. Soon as RB1 and 2 come back, our offense is sort, sorted. Um, just don't think our secondary is big enough. Too many yards uh, added after tackle, um, time after time. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time reading this. So, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, what's, what's the deal with these guys? I mean, I know Nick Chubb is uh, COVID. He's probably day-to-day. They're just waiting on two negative tests. I personally feel good about him coming back for, for this Sunday. Hopefully, you know, he does. Uh, Kareem Hunt, have you guys heard anything about him? It's he- uh, up in the air. I, I, I'm really, I, I don't think we'll see Kareem Hunt until after the bye. Well, Stefanski yeah. mentioned him, and the, they, they asked him about him uh, in the presser yesterday on Monday. And he actually sounded a little hopeful, but he said, like, okay, we're going to see what happens this week in practice. Uh, they can act, they can bring him to practice, and then they have 21 days to, to put him on the roster. So they might bring him back slowly, like kind of what they did with JOK, uh, especially if they have Nick Chubb back. They might kind of bring him back slowly. Uh, I think they might, you know, I think you're right. Probably the buy would be, you know, because I think it was a four to six week timetable. We're now at mm-hmm. four weeks. Uh, so maybe they bring him back this week. I think probably either the, the first Ravens game or the second Ravens game, either one, I think that they're kind of more shooting for. I think because, again, why waste him on the Detroit Lions if you're going to have Nick Chubb, Dearness, the Fel- you know, Demetri Felton? If you have all your, your compliments there, I don't think it's too much of a worry. I think what Hunt does in the passing game gets a little underrated, especially now. What That's another guy who it's like they're missing and they've been missing. And as a pass mm-hmm. catcher, he's been very useful for them. And, in fact, I, I wish they would utilize him and Chubb on the field at the same time and him and Felton on this field at the same time because that would create mismatches that, like, would cause defenses to get a headache. Right. All right, let's move on to the current AFC playoff standings. Um, I think as, as fans, it's okay to, to think ahead. We don't necessarily want our football team to do that. Uh, but there, the this is interesting. The AFC playoff picture, the top twelve teams, they're separated by three games, three mm-hmm. games. So, you know, although we might feel like the sky is falling in Cleveland, we are right in the thick of things. I mean, the Tennessee Titans are leading the pack at eight and two, and the twelfth team is tied with us. That's the Broncos at five and five. Where where do you guys what do you guys think about what's going on in the AFC with this playoff race? And is it too soon to talk about playoffs? I personally think it's not because um, if you look at no, if you look at our schedule, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's not too soon. I mean, looking at it, I think the Raiders um, are in a similar situation like us, where they came out and uh, they had a big win after Gruden was gone. And then the last two weeks they've kind of fallen on their face. So it seems like they might be starting to kind of falter and fall apart a little bit. They did the same thing last November. Like they had just an abysmal November that kind of killed their playoff chances last year. Um, the, char- I mean, the chargers haven't looked great. I mean, they had that the, the, after they beat us and looked amazing offense, uh, Justin Herbert's kind of come back down to earth. Uh, he's on my, he's my fantasy quarterback. So I, I definitely know watching his stats. He hasn't looked very good lately. Um, you know, the Steelers, even though they won, well, they won 
they won like three straight prior to, to tying the Lions or four straight prior to tying the Lions. I mean, they were beating up. I mean, they beat us, but they beat up on some bad teams too, and they all you know, tied with the Lions. I mean, there's a lot of jockeying. Like, as as bad as we looked last week, like, there's a lot of teams. Like, we, we beat the Bengals that are in front of us. Uh, we have the tiebreaker over the Broncos. I don't think the Broncos are, are a legitimate playoff contender. Like, they're definitely trying to rebuild and move on. They're, they're, they want their coach out. Their fans want their coach out. The teams I would be more worried about um, as far as competing for a playoff spot are, are going to be the Chargers, uh, the Colts, and uh, possibly if the, the you know the Steelers. I mean, they're always going to be in it. They're going to play. They got a good defense, so they're always going to be in every game. Uh, and then the Ravens, you know, they well, they've lost what they've lost two straight now, correct? They have, and they almost lost to Detroit too. Like, it, it, what does it say about everybody else in the division if the yeah. Browns go ahead and beat Detroit? And the other two teams struggled. Like, literally, the Ravens beat Detroit by a field goal that was sixty-six yards, and that should never even happen. So, like. Are there any of the you know the Steelers tying with Detroit and then like the Ravens? We play the Ravens. They just had a problem dealing with Miami. So yeah, Miami know. just beat them up. And part of it's because their secondaries in shambles, their offensive lines in shambles, and then people realize the trick to beating the the Ravens offense is just run zero blitz because they run zero running back screens because and they just cut, got got rid of the one guy who might have been okay on that with Le'Veon Bell. They just waved him. Although they still have uh, Devontae Freeman. Uh, but their 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 defense has had a lot of issues. Deshaun Elliott just went down with another injury. Um, you know, uh, Marcus Peters at the beginning of the year uh, got injured, and since then, like their their back end is just you know you could throw on them. So I look at those games as very winnable. Like both of those Ravens games, they can you know the Browns could absolutely win those games if everybody steps up, if everybody goes ahead and does what they need to do. And part but part of that before we get to that, get to the Lions beat up the Lions, Jared Goff or David Blau, whoever's playing quarterback this week. Uh, you know, it don't matter. Just make and if and if we lose to the Lions, then yo, like listen, then um then we panic. That's when we panic. I, I think I was the only yeah. like because that's the team that's losing, that's a problem. Like uh, that, like the Browns have not lost to a team that was a that was a losing team. Like the the Ravens sure have. The Steelers lost to the Bengals and the Browns beat the Bengals like they, they were like their little brother. Like and like, you know, it's been the last few years of Baker. We've just been beating up the Bengals, how it goes. You know, it's been nice having Baker with against the Bengals. It's like if we could just play the Bengals more than twice a year, it would be great. I just um I think a lot of people are like bashing Baker and Baker has had looking at his QB. I mean, his quarterback rating has been bad in, in two games where he was below what 60 um, every other game he's been uh, above average or, or he had a, a really good game. Um, you know, he's playing with an injury. Obviously I want him to, to play well. He didn't play well last week. He didn't play well against Minnesota. Uh, he didn't really play that great against Pittsburgh. You know, I had some drops, um, but a lot of people are talking about like, you know, Oh, Russell Wilson needs to be brought in here. I'm like, Russell Wilson didn't exa- – I mean, no, he's coming off an injury, too. He didn't light it up last week in uh, Green Bay. Yeah, who sagged it? And Aaron Rodgers didn't look dynamic coming back from COVID. Like, this year is just a – like, it, you would think this year was the true COVID year, like, like last year was, where it's like all these teams are week to week. Like, Kansas City, no one thought they were going to lose a game. They're sitting here at six and four, and they're like, "You didn't." They didn't know if they were going to make the playoffs. They they squeaked out some wins, but then they seem to come back. It's, it's just. I think this year is, um, this could be one of those years where 
the team that gets home field advantage is definitely not going to the Super Bowl. You might have a sub two seven seeds in the Super Bowl potentially because yeah, those I mean, two teams had to get hot at the end of the season to even get into the playoffs. So they go into the playoffs kind of hot, where it's like it's it's going to be one of those weird seasons where I don't think there's you know there's not a true favorite uh, going into like last year we kind of all knew like everyone was saying. In the AFC, it's Kansas City. Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, everybody thought it was uh, Green. You know, it was going to be Green Bay. It ended up being Tampa Bay. But like, I don't think you see that this year. You can't definitively uh, say that. Just with the injuries and and just the weirdness in the league this year, it's just a lot of uh, team. One week will go out and score forty points, and the next week they score seven. It, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting. The, the The Browns are sitting in the eleventh spot. Um, we play the Raiders. These are the teams that we play ahead of us. We play the Raiders. We play the Bengals one more time. We play the Steelers one more time. We play the Ravens twice. It, it's, it's right there in front of us. And obviously we have to turn it around starting this week in Detroit, but it's there for the taking. And let me tell you, if we can reestablish our identity of running the football, this is when we should thrive is in these cold winter months when you got to run the football, you know, bad weather games, this is the this is right now when the Browns have to turn it on, and hopefully it starts right this week in Detroit. Absolutely. Well, especially think of it this way. We have two more games till the bye week, right? If they win these next two games, we're talking totally different. And if they come out of the bye week getting healthier, you know, putting a, a game plan around the last five games of dealing with the Steelers and the Bengals again, and the Raiders are falling apart. The only game that really scares me is maybe playing the Steelers again, this time in Pittsburgh, and the Packers. Everybody else, I think, is very winnable. And I, they, honestly, the, the the Steelers game should be winnable. I just don't know what goes on sometimes in the hearts of Browns. Like, like I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what happened in the last game other than everybody forgot how to catch a ball in the last Steelers game. So, you know, mm-hmm. if nobody can catch, you're going to have problems no matter what you do. But, uh, you know, like I and the thing with the, the labrum, that scared me for so long because I thought we were never going to see – a good version of Baker Mayfield this year. And then we saw the Bengals game. And I think that game changed my vision of Baker Mayfield because it made me go, okay, maybe a lot of his problems had nothing to do with the labor. Maybe it's because like, again, like he just couldn't trust OBJ. And because you have one wide receiver that you're either trying to force it to, you can't trust where he's going to be up. You know, like you're not entirely sure on what, how you're seeing the field because that guy's in the lineup and how he's affecting defenses. I think that might have been like so. It's so strange that that's the one thing that changes how a player's playing. That that's mm-hmm. the like. There's a cog there that just suddenly kind of causes a disconnect with the rest of the offense. But it clearly did because the Bengals game he played better than he ever did before. And the, you know what? Again, I'm willing to call the Patriots game a mulligan because the Patriots like. I also think Kevin Stefanski's. You know, you got to think about like play, uh, guys who've done well against Belichick. It's people who've had experience playing against Belichick. You know, they do have a coach in there who's play, who, who's coached with Belichick, so I don't know how much, you know, information he's giving them on how to game prep against Belichick's defense, his offense, everything there. But in general, like, you know, Andy Reid's, you know, coaching tree has done okay against Belichick, better than maybe some other coaching trees. But, like, Stefanski, you know, came from Mike Zimmer's coaching tree, mm-hmm. which is not a, a deep coaching tree. So no. he's not coming back from, like, it's not like he's dealing with – and, again, the Minnesota Vikings don't play the Patriots that often. So the experience of dealing with Belichick, I think, actually affects that, you know, and getting used to, like, hey, you know, 
maybe this is how you want to deal with this next time. Hey, we do have to have some tendency breakers. And I think they had planned some tendency breakers, but they didn't have the personnel to do it. You don't have OBJ. You didn't have Kareem Hunt. You didn't have Demetri Felton. You didn't have Nick Chubb. You know, you don't have uh, your your right tackle and Jack Conklin, who's been out for the last couple of games. You got to play this Blake Hans guy who, uh, adorable as he is, and actually not a bad run blocker, but like, again, not, not going to be, you know, he's not leaving the Browns and getting a, a $10 million a year contract. He is, he's like, you know, and he's not the best pass blocker at right tackle. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that happens sometimes, you know, you got to overcome it. They have tried overcoming it, and they've done pretty decent at overcoming it, but you know, it's, you got to, I, I, again, I look at the Patriots game as the mulligan. I look at the more concerning games as why the Steelers game happened, why the Chargers game happened, why, why can't you close it out with some teams? Those are the things, and I'm hoping that they learn from that. They clearly learned from that with the, the Bengals game. The defense came on really strong there. Um, you know, is, are, the real question is, do other teams look at that Patriots tape and try to copycat it, or is it not copycatable? Is it just because the Patriots match up so well to the Browns, right? They have great man corners. They, uh, they have great safeties. They have good linebackers. Their, their, their defensive line and edge rush is very unique, and they're able to kind of, you know, look like you know kind of quasi you know they had judon and kyle van noy and they utilize those guys so perfectly you know is it just because it was the patriots and what they have there and in that case we don't really have to worry about it with you know the ravens and well the the raiders aren't adjusting for anything they didn't even adjust to play the kansas city chiefs and they play them twice a year yeah i i think the difference between uh it seems like our defense will play a bad game and then two solid games and then they follow up with a stinker. Like so, if we're if we're going by that, that means the defense is going to play much better this week. It just bothers me that Joe Woods. I get that that is your defense, and that's what you are comfortable with calling. But a coach has to a coach to their players' strengths. John Johnson excels playing in the box, but we're not using him strictly in the box. Ronnie Harrison has been better in the box, but we're using him more in coverage. Like Delpit should be the player and co- like they're moving Delpit into the box instead of playing him in coverage. And I think he's better in coverage and um, just play these guys man to man. Just let them man up like they manned up against Cincinnati, who by definitely has better receivers than New England and Jamar Chase and, and T Higgins and Tyler Board. And and we shut them down pretty well that entire game. I just feel like he, he goes back to what he's comfortable with and he's so afraid of uh it's like his philosophy is I don't want to play man to man and be aggressive because I'm afraid of getting beat on big plays, mm-hmm. but I'm cool with letting the, the offense just move down the field 12 plays at a time. And then maybe we'll, we'll force a turnover. Um, and I think he just has to get out of that mindset. Like the talent level is much better than what you had last year. Switch it up, be more aggressive. Cause then at this point you have nothing to lose. Like you got nothing to lose. I mean, I think, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying there, I, especially with John Johnson, which they did do with the Bengals. They did move him yeah. closer into the box, and he play, and the whole defense played much better. And maybe it's just got to be, you know, you have to rotate him more and not keep him, you know, at free safety a lot of the time. Again, they were trying to use him as a true free safety, and he's been more of a rotational safety, kind of like every once in a while be up high. You know, he'll be, you know, he's done about 50% of his snaps before then in the box and free safety. They were trying to use him as like a majority free safety, and it just wasn't working. Well, like you said, you got Grant Elpit. That's kind of the only guy. Him and LeCount are the only guys left who could play free safety at this point. 
Um, I think they're a little worried with Grant Delpit coming off. You know, again, he's still coming off an Achilles. You know, it's kind of like his rookie season. I mean, but is, is Ronnie Harrison going to get any better at this point? Because Ronnie Harrison, you know, maybe run three safety then, like if you're going to do that. The only thing is now they got Jeremiah Wusukoromoa back. I think that's mm-hmm. going to change things. Like he only played 31% of snaps in the last game. So, uh, and they really did account for him in that game. Like, again, I think part of the Patriots defense was they knew he was going to be in that game, at least for the first half of it. And he was in the game in the first half of it, but they accounted for him very well. And that just happens sometimes. I said, like, the, the Patriots are the best game planning team on the, uh, you know, in the NFL. If they beat you, I think it's kind of like you kind of have to accept that, like, that's going to happen every once in a while and you got to figure it out for next time. Um, but Jeremiah Wusukormoa coming back, coming now be second game off the injury. I think that's going to be a big deal that he's going to be coming back off that high ankle sprain and kind of getting more reps under him. And remember, he was blowing up screen passes like crazy before this point. He was he was a different kind of player when he was on the field. He's back to being the starter. Um, you know, I think that's a big deal. Put, uh, you know, again, maybe it is move Grant Delpit back in there and try and get him more involved. If you know, I think they're worried about his tackling. There has to be there has to be some reason why they only use him on maybe like a quarter of snaps or, and maybe they have to try to get more used to it. Maybe when they get to the buy, they'll maybe more adjust to that. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I do agree with you. I think, you know, at this stage you have two strong safeties. You really got to figure out your free safety situation, whether it's Delpit, LeCount, you'd rotate John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison, both those guys. And, and listen, Ronnie Harrison, they've always said was a box guy. Like they never, they didn't really like him being in coverage a lot of times. Just that that happens sometimes when you're playing man coverage, you know, Ronnie Harrison's going to get manned up with somebody. So he mans up with Hunter Henry based off the play call. And all of a sudden you got a touchdown, but not every team has a Hunter Henry either. Hunter Henry's a really no. good tight end. So, you know, he, you know, that's like the one team they were trying to do, a, you know, we were trying to do what they were doing. They, but that was something they did a long time ago is have the great tight ends. You know, John U. Smith uh, and and Hunter Henry was their way of trying to recreate Rob Gronkowski and uh, Hernandez. And you know, it was, oh gosh, <laughs> it was it it was literally. I can tell you, I can tell you what Belichick did. They watched the first, you know, what, eight eight nine games, and they were like, you know, what the Browns really struggle doing? They str- they struggle with crossing patterns. They struggle with stopping the screens, and they really hate it when you uh, run delayed handoffs when you're running backs. Like they, yes. that's the three things they struggle with. And they did that nonstop and they never yes. could stop it. Yeah. And one of the problems is the Browns over pursue. Like it's, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just the team's not used, like the defense is not used to being there. Cause remember a lot of these guys have been injured. A lot of these guys have been in and out of the lineup. Um, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, I think has been, you know, when he's played, he's been the best guy on the, in the linebacking core. Uh, I don't even think Anthony Walker is the best middle linebacker they could be playing. I think they should play Malcolm Smith at middle linebacker. I understand. Like, I think one of the things that the Browns do, re- like when they've gotten to this point where they got used to that with a player, is getting past the sunk cost fallacy. They did this with Andrew Billings finally. They cut him. They waved him. He's gone. This big D tackle who they signed two years ago and they gave him this contract that for a one year deal. He's gone. Now they're bringing up Sheldon Day. They have Sheldon Day and they have uh, the guy we drafted in the so, fourth round, uh, Tommy. Tommy Togiai did more in nine snaps on Sunday than Andrew Billings did the entire year. He had more stats in nine snaps than Andrew Billings had the entire season. And, and sometimes you, know you have to like, hey, I've been an employer before where it's like you you hire somebody who you thought was going to be a great fit, and then they're just not. And then you, you make a change. Like, that's what 
you know, it happens. Like, uh, it's it's not always gonna you know, gonna fit perfectly, and you have to recognize that and don't be afraid to to make a change if you have to. Yeah, and I think that defense was working at its best. Now, granted, like they played really well against the Bengals, so I'm not saying blow up what you have right now. If it works with Anthony Walker, it works with Anthony Walker. I just think it worked better with Malcolm Smith, that middle linebacker. But he also got dinged up at a certain point and couldn't play a week or something at, at a certain point. So mm-hmm. injuries have been in and out with every player on this lineup. Um, I just thought it worked the best when you had Malcolm Smith, Jeremiah Wissacormo, because also those guys are better in coverage than the other guys. They're the, they're the two best coverage linebackers that they have. So I, I want to get those two guys on the field as much as possible as far as linebackers go. And then you don't have the problem with like getting mixed up on crossing routes because you have the guy, you have one guy who's actually smart enough and been in the system long enough to know what he's doing. And the other guy has that athleticism. That's just like, he's basically quasi safety. So uh, I'm, and the thing is, I think the Odell Beckham situation pushed them to realize that is like the, the sunk cost fallacy, putting all this money into a player, trying to figure out a different way of getting it resolved than having to keep trying to play the player that isn't working. Well, guess what? They got money out of Odell, and now they got to extend their guards. And that, that I, I think those were clearly tied together. When they realized they had an extra $15 million on the books for the next two years, they went, yo, Wyatt Teller, we're signing you up for a long-term deal. And then after him, they went, yo, Betonio, you're next, buddy. Hop on board the brown train. We're making you a brown for life. Let's get into the Browns-Lions preview. We've talked a little bit about this, but... I've heard the I've heard the word trap game. I don't even think we can call this a trap game. I think that you, you can ask the Steelers, we gotta take this Lions team seriously. I mean, the Steelers just went into overtime and ended up with a tie. Um, what adjustments do you think the Browns need to make to be competitive again and especially in this game against the Lions? That's an interesting one because I don't think any of the I don't think the Lions can do anything with what the Patriots did. Like, don't get me wrong, they have decent corners, and I think they are going to at least make the pass game a little hard. But I think if the Browns go back to what they did against the Bengals, they'll beat them. Like, it's I, I don't think it'll be even a hard deal. Like, if you just literally go, listen, hey, we're we're good against cat teams, we're dogs, we're good against cats, so let's go ahead and beat the Lions. It's, I, I think it's it's a like, uh, you know, A, we don't even know if Jared Goff's going to play because now apparently he has an abdominal issue so or an oblique issue. I can't remember which one it was. I can't remember those, like, muscles. Like, it's a lot of different muscles in that area. And, like, yeah. don't know obliques from the, you know, like, that's, I, you know, in the gym I always get those confused abdominals. I think they're, like, in the same area. But either way, uh, I think, you know, the run game, first off, Detroit's been very bad against the run in general. Um, and then again, if you're running a lot of that play action, doing what they were doing against the Bengals, I don't think they have to do much They're I think they will put up points against the Detroit lions. I don't even think it's going to be that hard for them to do it because they have actually a lot of good weapons there when everything is clicking, like, you know, DPJ, you know, being the deep threat and being and coming on to become a very good receiver. I don't think they have a guy who's really going to shut him down. I get uh, Amani Oriaria is pretty decent. Um, I don't, is Okuda even playing? Is he injured this year? Okuda's out. Yeah, he's yeah, out. Okuda's out now. He tore his he's Achilles, didn't season. he? Yeah, he's out yeah. for the season. Yeah, he was gone from the beginning. So, uh, you know, they, I'm not entirely sure that it's going to be that hard of an adjustment. I don't think, you know, I, I think they're going to come into play. Like, I think they're going to walk in there and be like, listen, we have to win this game. They're going to play as serious as they can, like they did against the Bengals. The difference is, I don't. I don't think it can be a trap game because, like, this isn't like one of this isn't like the Steelers don't play. Like the one thing I'll say about the Browns, they don't lose games that they look like they shouldn't lose. 
the last two years. Even like going back to even when uh, what's it, when Kitchens was here, they they don't lose the games that like they look like they shouldn't lose. It, 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 they look like they should. They look like they shouldn't lose them while they're playing the game. Like for instance, the Chargers game, right? <laughs> the Chargers yeah. game. Looks like they shouldn't lose it while they're playing the game. But before that game, a lot of people were probably going like, you know, it, it can go either way. They're both very competitive teams. You know, the Chargers are coming on. They got this new Brandon Staley guy. Their offense was kind of competitive. Their defense was competitive. But honestly, the Browns shouldn't have lost that game if you watch the game. They, you know, between a phantom DPI call and, you know, just just bad play calling and just like bad second half management by Stefanski. And you take those two things away and the Browns will probably win that game. And, mm-hmm. like, it, that was maybe Stefanski. In my opinion, that was Stefanski's worst game this year um, because it cost them a game, and that was literally a game that could have been resolved pretty quickly. Um, as far as the Detroit Lions, they're easy to run on. Like, uh, you know, yes, the Steelers had a problem, but that's because they had Mason Rudolph throwing the ball. And you guys remember Mason Rudolph. We've played him a couple of times. He's not a very good quarterback at all. And this was a last second, like, inner, like, hey, we got to put Mason Rudolph in because Ben Roethlisberger caught the COVID. Um, he, I think he just didn't want to play. I think he's kind of like, you know, let's get out of here. I kind of want to retire at this point. But, like, I'm the only guy left for these guys. Dwayne Haskins was, like, apparently checking his phone while he's, like, you know, throwing passes at the same time. Very multitasking, talented dude, but, uh, you know, not talented on the field, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Lions game is a must win. Uh I, I wouldn't say it's a it's definitely not a trap game because I'd say it would be more of a trap game if you won last week going in this week. Then it would be a trap game because you got the Ravens coming up. But I think at this point, uh this team's got to look at themselves in the mirror and know their backs against the wall. You're five and five. You need to be uh six and five going into you're gonna play Sunday night in Baltimore, which they're gonna be jacked up and amped up for. Um it's a it's a must it's a must win. So I I, I mean every game here on out is must win at this point. You, you only got seven games left, so the rest of the season is it's it's a it's a playoff atmosphere every week. You're playing for your playoff lives every week. So and that should be the mindset of the team, and that's what Stefanski should be preaching. Um, it's uh, one game at a time. You're just looking to go one and zero. I know I'm using a lot of coach speak here, but uh, that's that's what's needed right now. You just and just don't sugar to go to like hey guys. We got a bigger and better offensive line than their defensive front. And we got a bigger and better defensive front than their offensive front. Let's just go in there and kick some ass. And that's that would be my message to the team. Let's get on the bus, get to First Energy Stadium, let's go kick some ass. Run yeah. some outside zone. Yeah, and, and you can't let DeAndre Swift go off like he did against the Steelers. He had 33 carries for 135 yards. Um, TJ Hawkinson, that's another weapon that they have. You know, he had 89 yards on 10 receptions. So I, I think you're right. You know, if we play our style of football, we shouldn't have to worry about the Lions. But what, what I don't want it to happen is what happened with the Steelers last week. And you let this team hang around and you let them hang around the fourth quarter and bad things can happen. That's, the, that's what I don't want to see this game. Yeah, and I get being worried about that. I just – but also, this team can't move the ball at all. Like, at least when Jared Goff was playing, and you're, I really do hope it's Jared Goff playing because he can't seem to throw the ball for anything. Like, they literally, I think, got to a point where they're just like, let's just give Jamar Jefferson and DeAndre Swift all the carries and see what we can do. Yeah. And, and, and they luckily, like, for them, it was, I, I, honestly, I don't know what the heck happened to the Steelers' defense at that point either because, like, they were good against the run at certain points of the season. But whatever it is that's going on with their team, uh, 
regardless, I I don't see the the same issues happening. A again, Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, I think is going to be a bigger part of the game plan this week. Again, coming off of hey, we gave you thirty one percent of the snaps. You know, we they probably pulled him from the game last week at, at like you know probably towards the end because again he's coming off the high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. But he's been Good big down. in slowing down the run. You know, Anthony Walker has been a big part of helping slow down the run. So I think that's why they do like keeping him in there a bit. Uh, as long as you don't give up the big plays and you just make sure that, you know, like you said, TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift are dangerous players, but they don't have any wide receivers. Like, they're imaginary. Like, I, 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 I Amon St. Brown and then Quintez Cephas. Like, guys who are fourth, fifth round picks. Um, I think they just claimed Josh Reynolds from the uh, the Titans, former mm-hmm. L.A. Rams player. So he's familiar with Jared Goff. But like I said, Jared Goff might not even play this game. In my yep. fantasy league, in my fantasy league, none of the Detroit Lions wide receivers are, are rostered. None of them. Probably true. I don't want to see David Blau. It could be David Blau revenge season game because you know he was a former Brown, and uh, as a as a as a Buckeye fan, uh, David Blau also took Ohio State to the woodshed at Purdue that one Saturday night a few years ago too. So David Blau has uh, ruined a couple of my nights before. <laughs> I, I don't th- even with him. I still I'm not overly worried. But you, you know what? I would rather it be Jared Goff because we know what we're dealing with. Like I, it's just knowing what they're going to be doing, what their game plan is. So I, I would prefer it to be Jared Goff, and he I think he'll still probably play, even though they haven't been good with him anyway. So, all right, Wojo, we we have a serious problem. Mikey P and I on our Twitter page all year long have been trying to give away a Browns hoodie. And that's all you have to do is predict the exact score of the football game. And we haven't had one person. Well, that's good. <laughs> so we're hoping that, you know, if, if you can help us out with that and just predict the exact score, maybe a lucky viewer or listener can take your advice and put it in for the contest and, and win the hoodie. Because it's a nice hoodie, right, Mikey P? It's a great hoodie. It's fantastic. So let's get into prediction time. Wojo, what do you what do you say this week for the the Lions versus Browns? What's their score prediction? Forty to ten. I think the Browns are going to wow. I am going to I'm going to go big or go home here. Wow. This is one of those games where they got to win. The Browns are angry. They're tired. They're done with this bullshit. They got to win this game to be in the playoffs. Their season's on the line. They can run the ball. I'm hoping Nick Chubb is going to be in this game because that's part of my bet on this is Nick <laughs> Chubb playing. <laughs> if Nick Chubb's not playing, I still think Dearness can carry the bag. But like, it's clear. Like Nick Chubb, like I said, Nick Chubb does a thing that not a lot of people can do. Like him and Jonathan Taylor, man, like they just go ahead and it's like, wait a second. Did they just go 70 yards? What happened here? Like, they just like, boom, what the fuck? Sound barrier broke. What the heck happened? Those two guys, man. Uh, very similar style runners, too. But, yeah, I'm gonna I'm betting on Nick Chubb playing. I'm betting on him coming off the COVID list, coming in and rocking it, and they just kind of rock the, the Detroit line. They don't want to run the risk of looking like idiots again. They don't want to have that on their record. Joe Woods is playing for his job. He's going to be, listen, you guys. We're going to blitz that crazy. We're going to make them look like they're wearing tutus on the field. We're going to go hard. We're going to – we're gonna. now they have Jeremiah Wusukormoa back. They can blitz him instead of Troy Hill. Hopefully they get Troy Hill back. I hope he's okay. Uh, if not, MJ Stewart, solid slot corner. They can, they can play in there as well. 
you know, like you said, mm-hmm. get John, you know, uh, get uh, John Johnson close to the line of scrimmage, get him blitzing a little bit. Maybe he can get a sack. But, uh, you know, they got these good man coverage corners. Just go ahead and, you know, get somebody lined up on, up on uh, Hawkinson. Keep your eyes on that DeAndre Swift kid and just go hit him hard. But, yeah, I'm going 40 to 10. I, I think 40 and they to only 10. Get 10. They only get 10 because hopefully they find a kicker. This is probably the, the big mistake. Is they, their, their kicker couldn't, like, hit a – he was having a hard time last week, man. He, I looked like the guy who worked at ShopRite was their kicker. Like, God damn it. Like, they could have had that game in the bag earlier. It wasn't for the fact that their kicker was like, uh, uh, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be bagging groceries next week. I better get better at that than, you know, doing this kicking thing. Mikey P, what are your thoughts, man? What what are What's your score prediction for this week? Oh, man. Um, it's going to be closer than that, I think. Uh, I'm going to go... 24-14 Browns. We win, but it's not going to be a blowout like everybody thinks. I think the Lions hang around there for a little bit. But 24-14. See, I'm I'm right in the middle of you guys. I have 31-17 Browns. They handed okay. it's like handedly. Like I don't even think it's going to be close. I really don't. But I think we have to get back to our true identity, and I do hope that Nick Chubb is back. I hope that Demetric Felton's back and Dearness Johnson's obviously there. I want to see us run the football a lot. Um, I want to see Baker Mayfield get back in the swing of things. I just want to see this team fighting again because that, that was probably my biggest gripe about this past Sunday. It just looked like the football team quit. It didn't look like they had any heart, and it was very frustrating as a fan to watch. I feel you there. That that's a rough one. I think for a lot of people, especially when you're watching that game and to know that you're out of it by like the third quarter, that they're they're changing the channel on you. Even CBS is going like, oh. is this game still going? <laughs> I didn't even see the fourth quarter. I didn't get to see Brian Hoyer the Destroyer march down the field for a 95 yard drive either. <sighs> that was painful. I- all right, so let's move into our last segment, and we'll go ahead and get out of here, Wojo. This is the Yard Dogs mailbag. We have two questions. One of them, I feel like this might be a question that we're going to be talking about during the off season. I hope not, but I, I feel like it's probably coming. Uh, at CB1 fans ask, what is the likelihood the Browns actually getting Russell Wilson? And he says he's asking for a friend. <laughs> I think it's it's close to zero. Like I, I don't think it's zero. I yeah, I zero. Like, yeah, close to zero. He's got a no trade clause. His wife is not coming to Cleveland. Like in the off season, the teams that were talked about were Chicago, big media market, New York, big media market. Um, they couldn't mention LA. They did mention LA a little bit at first, but they knew that wasn't going to happen. That was before the Stafford situation came about but Seahawks and the Rams weren't going to make a deal um I think at this point Russell Wilson if he's out if he gets out of Seattle uh he's trying to make mama happy uh because usually you know if mama ain't happy nobody's happy so I I see him if he if he's going to agree to a trade that you know like a big market so if the Deshaun Watson thing falls through for Miami you could see Russell Wilson maybe in Miami actually yeah Miami or the Giants for the Giants, yeah. Giants could be a, a Giants would be, I don't think, you know, obviously the Jets wouldn't make that trade after just 
drafting uh, Zach Wilson, but the Giants definitely could be in like, hey, you know, we'll give you two first round picks and Daniel Jones and maybe a second rounder here and call it a day. And the Giants have two first round picks this year from the trade back they with the do. Chicago Bears. They do. So it could, could happen. You could see Russell Wilson in New York, but I, I, I would severely, severely doubt that uh, he came here. Um, there would have to be some sort of tie for him to come like player wise or coach wise. And um, that that's not the case, or you could easily just see him in Seattle, but maybe them in a different direction, you know, firing. Uh, oh, Pete Carroll is 70 years old. So Aww. it could just go in a different direction. So it makes me you sad know, him getting the, getting the boot. Yeah. He's been there a while. Your message gets, I think your message kind of can get stale after a while. I mean, even Tomlin has even kind of fought that in Pittsburgh, you know, like, but they somehow have, have managed to, they just don't move on like some of these other teams have. But I, I think Seattle's fighting that thing where they don't know what their identity is anymore. They used to be a, you know, run, play action, play good defense, and they don't really do any of those really well anymore. So it's kind of, might be time for, you know, a new change. So I, I'd say 0% on, on Russell Wilson coming to Cleveland. I would love yeah. to have him here, but. I don't think it would would happen. You, you know, and if you listen to the show, you know that we're supporters of Baker. We're supporters of all the players on the Browns team. I mean, if they wear our uniform, we're going to support them. Um, you know, to get Russell Wilson away from the Seahawks, it's going to take m- multiple first-round picks. I mean, they got him under contract through 2024. You look at the Rams, I mean, they they've they've kind of – done business this way i mean they they don't have a first round draft pick to win um 2024 i think themselves now 2024 yeah yeah the next two years 22 and 23 to the lions you know so they they've done business this way and obviously they've been successful now it didn't show last night but (laughs) but overall they've been successful with the way that they've been doing but to to strip russell wilson away from seattle I, I I just I don't see it. I mean, I, I really do hope that Baker works out for the Cleveland Browns. I just feel like he's the right fit for us. You know, that's just the way I feel about it. So, I agree. And also, they don't longer have Odell. Like Odell would have been the selling point to get Russell Wilson here. Well, they got rid of Odell, so that's even less of a reason to go ahead and get him. And now you have Baker, who works better without like the star wide receiver element in the in the room. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I agree with you. I think. You know, part of the issue this year has been hard to evaluate Baker between the injuries and the, you know, and the the weird stuff that was going on while Odell was there. And we're not able to, like, again, I wasn't quite, I was blaming like a few of those games, like the bad games on the injury. And it might have just been like him and Odell being off the, not on the same page and that just changing everything of what you're trying to do. So, you know, maybe from here on out, it looks a lot different. And we're just, you know, I also wonder how much the uh, he did. He did have like a foot thing last week with Baker, like not like a, a fetish, but kind of like a, an injury. <laughs> um, yeah, he did. He did have a uh, uh, he sprained his foot on the last uh, I think it was one of the last plays in the Cincinnati game um, is when it happened. Uh, he was kind of limping and he complained about it and limited him practice last week. Some. Um, so he's been, and then of course he tweaked his knee a little bit this Sunday. So it's like he's he's banged up for sure. But you know, everybody at this point of the season, nobody's playing 100% healthy uh, at this point of the year. Um, but you know, 
I think a big part of that is the constant, the, the tackles shuffling in and out. Like we've had different tackles starting. I think, I don't think we've until last week, we hadn't had the same set of tackles start consecutive games except once. Yeah. Wills was out a bunch. Um, you know, we had Hubbard, I think for half a game, like he wasn't even, mm-hmm. he was gone for a, a, a instantaneously. And then they were like, Oh, we'll try Blake Hans and uh, James Hudson at tackle at one point because they couldn't play Conklin the one week and they didn't have Jedrick Wills the one week. And that was, that was the Arizona game. And that's why Baker, you know, got sacked and fumbled and looked like a, and actually I'll tell you this much. The Arizona game was the first time, like I never bought into that whole, like OBJ makes Baker bad thing. And then OBJ had like a weird shoulder thing that like he came out of the game on. And that was like Baker's like five best plays in the Arizona game. Were the game were the plays that like OBJ wasn't in like in fact that 65 66 yard bomb those play like that play and then the Cincinnati Bengals game where he's throwing deep balls to Donovan Peoples Jones he's hitting you know Injoku on that like that timing route perfectly I'm like wait a second what the heck happened here did he like take like some serum or something and all of a sudden he's mm-hmm. like now better he's got the Wolverine going I think Baker does well with it seems to me like baker really likes crossing patterns too as well which is which is why i'm like beating beating down the door to get chris alave uh in here because that guy like if you want someone that runs amazing crossing patterns and is just so smooth at doing it like chris alave is your guy like i i want him next year whether it be first round second round um I'm all he would for be it. Per, per, he'd be perfect in this in this offense. Like there's certain guys that are like I think OBJ can still be a star. Yeah. I think if you put OBJ probably in Kansas City and because they let Tyreek Hill freelances all the time, the majority he, of his big plays are all freelance. OBJ Seattle would, would have been the perfect kill. one. Right, Seattle would kill it. He'd kill in Seattle. Um, a lot of people said like he went to the Rams because Stafford's going to get him the ball. I was like, no, that offense runs through Cooper Cup. Odell Beckham's going to be the afterthought in that offense. It's also a very um, similar offense to the Browns, where it's all timing similar. routes and everybody having to be in the right spot. I didn't understand that portion of it. It's it like had nothing. It's to be close to home. Yeah. To be, he, he lives in L.A. That's why he went to L.A., because Kansas City would have made more sense for him uh, in the style of play he has. Seattle would have made more sense. Yeah. Uh, even the Saints, even the Saints would have made more sense for him. But obviously, you know, their quarterback situation with Trevor Simeon is 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 not great either. So yeah, um, it's like who who's who's your worst situation? Like they're going to end up having like Mark Ingram throwing the ball at some point. Like because like Taysom Hill's <laughs> been getting concussions left and right, and what do and Taysom Hill's probably the better quarterback between him and Simeon at this point. Mm-hmm. He just so, can't stay on the field. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, well, that's what happens when you play your backup quarterback at tight end. <laughs> oh yeah who would have thought like injuries happen when you're when your backup's also a special teamer we just got to make sure in this week's game that uh we don't see any andy janovich uh i mean um johnny stanton wildcat plays that play okay, yeah just, that was maybe the worst play th- call let's just throw that play out that was the worst play call probably since the uh ben watson um uh fullback uh was it a, it was a handoff to ben watson in the backfield that was it uh when what's his face was here? Uh, Shermer, when Pat Shermer ran a fullback, he, he lined Ben Watson up as a fullback and uh, handed handed him the ball <laughs> in the backfield. 
I mean, that's like a fullback dive. Like, we've done that before and got a guy in. In fact, I think didn't one of them – didn't? I'm cool with the in. fullback doing it. I just, I just don't want to see your, like, your tight end who's not normally – Yeah. <laughs> I, I, they, they're not, like, they're not stout enough to do it. Although, like, I've seen, like – They're too big. They're just too tall. Too, like, that's, that's more of, like, a shorter, stout type player. Yeah, the only way I'd like to see that is if you were doing it like they've done that with I think uh didn't they the Chiefs do that with Kelsey at one point? They did like a he was running like a motion he was running like a, a pre-snap motion and he lined up right behind the the center and he was the one who took the snap and he did like a tight end dive. Yeah, they they've used him in the Wildcat a couple times uh in Kansas City. But Kelsey's just a, an athletic freak. <laughs> Yeah, and it was to get one yard or something. It wasn't right, like you're yeah. going crazy. Like I, that's like that's one of those things that you want to stick in there. I could see in Joku, like you're trying to get in. You know, you're trying to just get over the line. You know, he has those yeah. hops. He just goes like right over. I think Joku could probably pull that off. But I, I agree. I would rather have Joku, you know, on the outside and being like, you know, like we want them away from us, man. We don't want them like, you know. I could see them. I could see them accidentally doing that with uh with Bryant because they, every once in a while they do. We're, you know, Bryant, they move around the formation so much. They have him at, like, almost mm-hmm. kind of like he's at fullback, then he's at tight end, and then he's, like, in the slot. Like, And I like what they've done. He's been a very, like, low-key player for them. Like, Bryant, the fact that they run 13 personnel so much with that team, mm-hmm. and it's been such a key part of that offense. And part of that is because they have Harrison Bryant, because they have Njoku, and because they have Hooper. I think those three guys create so many mismatch issues. And they even did it again. They did it in the the last game too. I think they trust the tight ends better than they trust the wide receivers at this point, which kind of tells you they the do. issue with the wide receivers. Uh, which they means do. probably they're gonna. You're probably right. They'll probably draft Olave or or at least some receiver in the top two rounds because they probably need that at some point. Because uh, probably see a couple of receivers drafted, uh, and then you probably see one potentially brought in free agency. Not like you're not gonna see like a Devonte Adams brought in free agency wise, but you might see, you know. Uh, and maybe a, another solid number two type uh, for maybe get... wide receiver brought in. That's Will Fuller that's on the cheap play. Will Fuller, somebody like him. Um, uh, Jacksonville's got a couple that you know they might be moving. You might, oh, might yeah. see a Mar- maybe a Marvin Jones or something like that. DJ Chark might be a free agent this year. Dear God, what's going on with this league? That like all these like weird players might become free agents next year. That I'm like. A lot of wide receivers too. I, I do remember that. So it kind of. I thought we you. were going to bring in D.D. Westbrook. Oh yeah, that would be an interesting one. I, you know, I think the the off the field with him though, I think scares them a little yeah. bit. So I think that you know, like I understand, like they haven't been too afraid of off the field, but it, there's different types of off the field. Like Malik McDowell just got like sent to jail for for weird things. I don't, you know, I don't really remember why he went to jail, but it wasn't it wasn't like a domestic issue. So I think I was more of what they're, you know, I, I don't think they want to have another like issue like that. So, mm-hmm. and again, you only want to have so many guys with like off the field in your locker room. Like, you know, yeah. you want to have it kind of like a balance. It's like a zest. Well, very good guys. So we all agree. Browns are going to beat the lines this week. Wojo, you have 40 to 10. I have 31, 17 and Mikey P 24 to 14. So that would improve the Browns record to six and five going into Ravens week. I'm good with that. Let's, let's, let's do it. I'm totally on board with that. Um, let's go ahead and land this plane. We've had, uh, we have you in the room in the yard long enough tonight. Wojo. Um, <laughs> what, uh, tell, tell the listeners where we can find you on social media. 
Well, you can find me anywhere uh, on any social media platform at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of laugh. Punch, like a delicious drink you drink in the summer. Uh, that's on Twitter, Instagram, the ticker talk thing that all, all the kids are on these days. I'm on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a draft vice thing. A draft vice is like my own solo kind of project that I do. And I bring people on every once in a while, but it's kind of like, it's like the, um, it's like the side lover project that I do, where I kind of go off on that every once in a while. I want to talk football and don't want to be like reeled in by like time constraints. I'm also on two other shows that I don't produce. They're, they're produced by other folk. On Thursdays, I'm on Face Off with Facemeyer or Brenda Facemeyer. That's a fo- that's a sports show, but mostly football. At least when I'm on it, um, and we you know we preview the games, we do uh, the pickums. You can call in, you can you know go ahead and tell us what you guys think of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what you guys think of you know your picks. You know what do you guys think of your are going to be the picks of the games for that week. Uh, she takes submissions as well. If you want to email in your submissions, and then uh, and it's again it's a call in show, so you can call in and be like, yo, what's up? I'm from I'm Brandon from Ohio. I dig the Browns, and I think the Steelers are going to lose this week. Whatever you want to go ahead and ramble on about. Um, another show I'm on, I'm on Let's Talk Sports with Dan Harris, which is uh, on Fridays. He has a whole list of shows he does on his uh, his little feed, and he's got so many other people he has on there. I'm one of I'm one of many contributors, but I'm on that show on Fridays. Uh, we talk football. We preview some games. We talk some Browns a bit. That's usually where I get to vent a little bit about my. Uh, about my psychosis dealing with the Brown being a Browns fan this year because it just feels like it's been a roller coaster. It's been up, it's been down. One minute you're waking up, it's going to be the trade deadline. You think nothing's going to happen. All of a sudden, somebody tweets out a video, and now like everybody's talking about like your 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 quarterback is uh, you know is going to actually just be working down at the the Shoprite Deli. So uh, I've been I've been bringing up Shoprite a lot in this. It's actually not a sponsor, but. Um, Either way, uh, yeah, you can find me. And, and then DraftVice, uh, you can find me at DraftVice on Instagram, Twitter, DraftVice underscore football. And I, I, I'll be in uh, Nanuet, New York, telling jokes this week on uh, on Saturday. So if you guys okay. are in Nanuet, if you know anybody in Nanuet, New York, or in the southern Rockland County area, I'll be telling jokes. 24 and 10, I want that hoodie. I like that. that a Facebook user said that. You got to let us know when you're in the uh, Virginia Beach area. Oh, absolutely. The funny but the funny bone here is where where all the jokes get told. They will have to come out. Uh do uh, a friend of mine I think is actually moving down there. So he he'll give me the deets on some of the the, the spots to go down there. He uh he's moving down there now that he's kind of in the retirement phase of his life, but he's uh he's a very good comic, Anthony Masalisi. Very good. He's like uh he's he's like if uh if the Fonz was a plumber. But uh <laughs> Dude, I, I always enjoy coming on here, talking football, talking Browns, kind of bringing up a little bit of life, reminding folks that, listen, we're still in it to win it. Um, and, it's, you know, it was great meeting you, Mikey. You you're a, you seem like a great dude. You both know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, keep, keep the faith, everybody. Keep the Browns' faith. It's not over till the fat lady sings. That's right. That's and, <laughs> th- yeah, this week we got the Detroit Lions in Cleveland. First Energy Stadium, it's going to be awesome. So let's get that ball rolling again. Uh, Brojo of Death Punch, it was awesome having you on, man. I like to end all my shows with the Go Brown. So Mikey P, Brojo, let's do it, man. One, two, three. Go Browns! Go Browns!